1: i'm felix salmon and welcome to axios recap where we dig into one big story today is monday december the 6th and we are focused on travel particularly air travel if you are traveling to israel this holiday season or japan or morocco well guess what you're not They have closed their borders to international travelers thanks to the Omicron variant of COVID. And that's not all that's happening. On top of the closed borders, travel has been made more difficult in the UK and many other countries, which are forcing travelers to take multiple PCR tests, often at great expense. I'm going to have to self-isolate when I go there while I'm waiting for my test results. Those countries are hard to get to. What's easy to get to is closer countries. Mexico, Dominican Republic, St. Lucia, places in the Caribbean. They're seeing a surge in travel because while they were always easier to travel to, now they're much easier to travel to. They don't have the same kind of restrictions. Domestic travel, that's also doing well. It's back almost to its pre-pandemic level, at least in coach. Business travel is still lagging, as you might recall, my colleague Erica Pandy, covering on this here show. So after the break, I'm going to be talking to Axios's Joanne Muller about what all this means for the airlines. So I'm joined now by Joanne Muller, who covers the future of transportation here at Axios. Welcome, Joanne. You write the What's Next newsletter, or at least some of it, so you've been covering a lot of the near-term future of air travel. And I guess my big question is, does Omicron change things, or is it just the Israelis being weird and the Japanese being weird?
0: Well, hi, Felix. Thanks for having me. Uh, Hey, we're in weird times, so everything's weird. In early November, the United States opened up international air travel. And especially to Europe, flights took off like a hockey stick. There was a big jump and everyone was happy about that. And then along comes Omicron and everyone's scratching their heads wondering what's going to happen. Now, as you mentioned, Israel and Japan, and I, I think Morocco have sort of put a halt on visitors. And a lot of other countries, including the United States, is restricting travel from certain countries in Southern Africa. But this variant is already in every continent. So these travel bans really are unimportant.
1: Wait, wait when you say they're unimportant, can you expand on that? Because it seems it might not be very effective in terms of stopping the spread of COVID. But are you saying that also unimportant in terms of air travel and like reducing the amount of air travel that's going on? We've yet
0: to see, uh, you know, whether or not people are going to cancel in, in widespread numbers. There have been a lot of inquiries from people to travel agents saying, hey, what's happening? Should I cancel my trip, my cruise, whatever? And the advice they're getting is, hold on, let's get more information about this variant and the united states has said they need a couple of weeks to find out just how virulent it is and how threatening it is
1: so you're saying that the united states is like keeping its options open here and and it could close down travel again if new data emerges even though as we've reported that would be a little bit like closing the stable door after the horse is bolted like it wouldn't actually do much good right
0: Right, and I actually think there's a good chance they'll lift the current restrictions on travel to Africa, but the larger issue that you have to think about here is people's psyche, right? And I think that people have put off travel for a very long time, and we're, you know, this year, the second half of this year, we started to see significant increases. International travel has been the exception, along with business travel in general, but international travel remained really low until just recently, where it started to pick up again. And so the worry now is that people who are planning to go overseas are, are worried that they're going to get somewhere and not be able to get back, that there'll be some travel ban that's put in place and it's going to complicate their return. And so I think people's minds are the biggest factor here rather than the bans themselves.
1: So, It's a worry about a worry at the moment, that we're worried that people are going to be worried that people aren't going to be allowed back into the country after they leave. But so far, there's no evidence that this is actually affecting international travel. If you look at the numbers, though, as you say, international travel is at what, like, 55% of pre-pandemic levels, while domestic travel is up around 80%. The international travel is just way lower for a multitude of reasons. Is that about right?
0: Right, right. The Airlines for America puts out weekly numbers, and they kind of are tracking this. And in the most recent week, domestic air travel was down 7%. International air travel was down 23%. That's a big improvement. This is
1: from this is from pre-pandemic levels?
0: Yes, and these are US airline passenger volumes.
1: The international airlines are presumably down more than that flying into the US.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure I have those figures, but what that reflects those numbers is that there had been a very big recovery this month in international travel. And It's only been a week since we've heard of this new variant. And there's a, if you look at the chart, there's a tiny little dip down, but that could just be a fluke. You know, it doesn't mean that it's plummeting once again. So we have to wait and see.
1: You know how we have to wait and see is the worst thing you can ever say in an article or a podcast. Let's try and talk about like what we do know. As a Brit, I can tell you that a lot of British people, and also this is happening across Europe, and I know people going into the Middle East, that the testing protocols are changing all the time. You you, you need tests before you get on the airplane, you need tests after you get on the airplane, you need to quarantine until you get your test results. All of this kind of stuff seems to change from week to week and country to country. And my question for you, is that just an annoyance for travelers, or is it something which at the margin, is actually enough to persuade people to say, you know what, I'm not even going to bother.
0: I actually think testing is our way out of this and is the travel industry very much is counting on more testing as a way to preserve and restore their business. So there are a lot of companies that are now doing rapid tests, for air passengers. When you check into a flight now, if if a test is required, it's part of the check-in process, scheduling that test. And I think the more we can take the friction out of that uh, process, I think it will allow us to resume moving around the world.
1: I can tell you that the process for entering the UK right now is not friction-free. I found one rapid PCR test for 400 pounds they wanted to turn around this PCR test, which is more than the plane ticket. Well, that would be a discouragement. (laughs) That would definitely be a discouragement. Has the experience of COVID redrawn the international airline map? Obviously, no one's flying to China anymore. Looks like Europe's coming back. Maybe places like Mexico and South America are becoming more popular because they have fewer restrictions. Do you see the most popular flights changing significantly from where they were pre-pandemic?
0: Well, I absolutely have seen big surges in travel to Mexico, Dominican Republic, South America, the Caribbean, those have been the places where most Americans have been flying for most of this year. But as you know, when the U.S. lifted the broader travel restrictions on Europe and other countries in early November, we saw a giant surge in cross-Atlantic travel. So I think that there are fits and starts, and eventually we will get back to traveling around the world seamlessly but right now it's central south america and europe
1: yeah certainly no one's allowed into new zealand or china yet so maybe 2022 maybe i guess the final question is just in terms of the airlines as a business how are they doing are they making money now are they gonna do do they see profitability coming soon are they still like keeping fares high because they can't cross subsidize from business travelers how's the business doing
0: The fares are actually well below 2019 levels. The airlines, though, are still saddled with a ton of debt that they took on at the beginning of the pandemic. That's going to remain elevated through at least 2024. Meanwhile, they're seeing a lot of inflationary pressures, of course. We are in all aspects of the economy, but fuel is one. One saving grace believe it or not, for airlines has been air cargo demand, which it was a record high in 2020 and it's risen even further in 2021. And the airlines are helping to solve a lot of these other shipping problems that we have. And so companies are doing air freight more. And that makes up for some of the passengers that they're not carrying overseas.
1: Yeah, last time I flew to Europe in the summer, I was on this weird plane where only the left-hand side of the plane had seats and the right-hand side of the plane was blocked off and was just for cargo. Wow, that's fascinating. So that's definitely a thing. Joanne Muller, thanks so much for joining us. All right, Felix, good to be with you. Welcome back. What I'm watching today is BuzzFeed. You might know it as a catalystical company. You might know it as a journalism company. You might know it as the company that owns Huffington Post and Complex. Well, now you know it as a publicly listed company. You can buy stock in it on the NASDAQ under the ticketing bull BZFD. And oh my God, was that share price all over the shop on its first day of trading? It ranged from $8 a share at the lows to almost $15 a share at the highs. It was all over the place. And the reason is there are only one and a half million shares outstanding and available to be traded on the stock market. There's a 100 times as many shares altogether. The total value of this company is well over a billion dollars. But in terms of the shares that are available to be traded, there's only about 14-15 million dollars worth of those shares at all, anywhere. So sometimes they're very hard to find, sometimes they're very easy to find. It's a mess. Anyway... This will probably get cleared up at some point, but it could take a while because it's not clear where any new shares are going to be coming from in terms of shares available to be traded. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Felix Salmon, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.